tis the season to give presents, to get presents, to give thanks, to have sex, have good sex this holiday season. To me, good sex is when my partner can come at the same time that I do. And you know what we use to make that happen? My sponsor, Promescence Delay Spray. Their delay spray is clinically proven to make you last longer in bed without having to worry about lasting longer because it's not going to transfer to your partner and it's not going to totally numb you out. And it now comes in a wipe. So make sure to get a couple of those too. For your partner, they have warming gel. That's what I use. That makes a great Christmas present. They also have supplements that are going to make you both hornier called Vitaflux. I use those too. They sell lube and condoms. They have everything you need for a hot night of sex, either with your partner or alone. And today, just for listening to the show, I'm going to give you 15% off your first order. That's 15% off your first order. All you got to do is go to delayspray.com and use my code strictlyanon15. That's strictlyanon15. Use it at delayspray.com for 15% off your first order. Or just go to the description, click on the link, and 15% is going to be automatically applied at checkout. And don't worry, your package is going to arrive discreetly. Thanks, Promescent, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you're listening on a podcast app, make sure to subscribe to my show. I post episodes every Sundays and Wednesdays. Soon I'm going to be doing a Fetish Friday, so stay tuned for that. Also, oh, I just want to tell you that I did an interview on another show called Uncorking a Story. You can see me, kind of. I'm anonymous. You don't see my face but you see the rest of me (laughs) interviewed on another show called uncorking a story. You could see that interview on YouTube. It's called let's talk about sex with Kathy K of strictly anonymous. I will put a direct link to that show on YouTube in the description. And today you say Merry Christmas. I say Merry sparkle tits. Okay. I got Merry sparkle tits back on. Now, I I know I talked about how much I love that name. I really do. Um, And you're going to love this episode because this is her part two. The part one was a lot of her backstory. She's a polyamorous cuck queen. She's a cuck queen. She's bisexual. She's polyamorous. She's into relationship uh, anarchy. And she's also into BDSM. And this on this episode, she just gives me hot stories. Well, she does still give some insight into other things because she can't help giving insight because that's just who she is. And that's what I really like about her. But she does stick to some really great stories, uh, stuff about early on cuck queening that she did. The first couple times she fooled around with girls, the first couple times she fooled around with multiple people in front of people. Um, and then she's got some like in other hot stories about a lot of BDSM stuff. She's really into it and she goes into uh, details about a couple big events that she went to and participated in. I'm not going to give you too much detail. She's going to give them to you. Uh so anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy Mary Sparkle Tits' second episode. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Um, hey, Mary Sparkle Tits, welcome back so soon, only like a couple days later after we spoke to the Strictly Anonymous mm-hmm. Podcast. I felt like the first episode, there was so much backstory on you and it was so interesting, Um that we needed to do a part two with some more titillating stories because you probably had them and you wanted to tell them. Am I correct? 
Absolutely. I'd love to share some more information and some more sexy stories. Yeah, well, I didn't. I feel like I got to the a lot of like your backstory, like I said, because it was so interesting. There's so, a lot going on with you and you taught me a lot, I feel like. Uh, but we wanted to add in something. I did promise that I think at the end of the episode that you would come back on. So here you are. It's your part two. It's Mary Sparkle Tits titillating story time. Maybe that's like a good, t- <laughs> like a good title. I don't know. I'm still obsessed with your name. So let's talk uh, stories now. I mean, you're a cuck queen. You're also into BDSM. Uh, you got into yeah. a couple d- stories there, but I don't know. Start with like something like really memorable or really hot or I don't know. Where do you think we should take it or start? Um, oh, maybe I'll try going like not super chronological order, but a little bit. So mm-hmm. one of my first experiences of realizing I didn't find or even enjoyed hearing someone else or like knowing someone else was sleeping with someone else I was or did was when I was like probably 19. Yeah. And I was seeing this one man very, very casually. And I had also slept with one of his friends and kind of had slept with both of them like on and off Mm -hmm. and they knew about it and whatever, but it was like, just no one cared. It was just, we were having a good time. Um, but one day one of my friends ended up sleeping with the other friend. So, um, I was sleeping with one friend and my friend was sleeping with the other man, um, in room side by side. And I just remember like hearing them having sex and being like, Oh, that's so hot. And like, almost like through the walls, like having like a competition for like, how this like for having like good sounding sex almost and oh my god that's fun hearing yeah <laughs> but so what happened she's like moaning and you're like oh i gotta moan louder yeah and just like oh that sounds fun like i want this to sound fun and like i was having fun also but yeah it was it kind of turned into like a thing uh with the listening to them fucking and hearing them like you know, like the bed moves and all those sounds and being like, oh, <laughs> that sounds like a good time. And uh, and having that part of what I enjoyed. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was also a part of a turn. It was like turning you on at the same time and as well as uh, in- inciting your the competitive. And you- yeah, yeah. And I feel like it could be a turn on just hearing someone else having sex. But like the fact that it was someone that I also had had sex with or was having sex with occasionally like added another layer for me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's the cuck queen in you. That, so that started at 19. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say that was kind of the first first thing um, in that area. I had, um, I guess, I mean, yeah, even before, even before that, I had had a couple group experiences, mostly with just other women. Like, how does that go down? So one of the times it was in the back of a car with a couple of guys. We were, you know, young and whatever, and. The guys are in the front seat of the car and the three of us, three girls in the back seat, just kind of started like, you know, flirting and whatever to try to like entice the men a little bit, mm-hmm. which is not something I do with my like bisexuality now. But at that age, it was like, ooh, like boy attention. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and so we like, you know, started like feeling into each other's chest and whatever and ended up like the three of us in the back seat of this car just like all fingering each other with these two guys like in the front seat of the car like driving around a park <laughs> oh my god hilarious and they're watching you yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so i've talked to them as like years later and that's of course they still are like that was amazing <laughs> yeah i could imagine because they were just as young as you mm-hmm Yeah, so that was, yeah, and that was even younger. Just So I feel like I just started even young just being interested in those kinds of things. And my the guy I was interested in in high school wasn't interested in me for the longest time. So basically I had, like, one of my best friends start flirting with him so that the three of us could talk because that was the way I could talk to him. But it didn't bother me at all that they also talked like one on one and flirted and like I know they were like quit sex and or not sex I guess back then it was like phone sex yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and uh, yeah like you know it's in hindsight I think that I've kind of always in, 
in, been intrigued by people I was interested in uh, having sex with other people or having sexual interest in other people. Yeah, but those other um, group scenarios, you said, oh, I had a couple group scenarios. And you had that one in the back of the car. Any other ones that you remember? Yeah. Um, one other one was one of the first times I ever fooled around with other people. Um, when, and it was with one of the same people who was in the back of the car, her and I went to go see this one guy and it was kind of a funny story because we were young. I didn't really, like neither of us really knew about like foot fetishes or anything like that. We went to go see this guy and he had a cast on his foot actually. Mm-hmm. And we knew we were going there to like, you know, hook up or something like flirt kiss I don't know whatever we knew there was like stuff on the table we didn't didn't talk about exactly what that was um and we went and we were like in bed with him and both of us were like kind of taking turns kissing him and he was like fingering both of us while we were like laying in bed together and at one point he just tried to convince us to like rub his foot he's like touch my foot he's like you should give me a foot massage uh-huh. And I was not into it. I'm like, uh, no, you have a cast on. What? No. And he's like, just just rub my foot. And then he was trying to convince both of us, just rub my foot. And we we're like, no, like just touch it, just touch my foot. <laughs> and like at the time, we were just like, this is so weird. I don't understand. And now I'm like, oh, he for sure has like a foot fetish. But I for sure, understand. yeah, that was even a thing. <laughs> hmm. Um, so yeah, that was uh, like one of my first sexual experiences was in that group setting of like one of my really good friends and I going and, and, uh, hooking up with this one guy just hands because neither of us had had penetrative sex at that point. So right. when did you, um, how old were you yeah. when you lost your virginity? Uh, I was 15. Right. And then what about to, that's a guy. Yeah. What about with a girl? Like when did you start hooking up with girls? Um, I started hooking up with girls, oh, probably 13 or 14 mm-hmm. in very minimal ways. It was mostly like my one best friend and I, it started really funny, just like, just joking around. Like, I think I like poked her when she was bent over, like with my foot or something and yeah. the pussy, uh, like while she was fully clothed mm-hmm. and she like laughed and was like, haha, that actually kind of felt good. And I was like, Oh really? And then we just kind of played over clothes for a long time, but I, I got really good. I have a special skill now, which is a unique special skill. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, I can make a woman orgasm without her taking her clothes off, even over jeans. <laughs> and that started probably with that girl. Girl, right? I mean, because you said you played yeah, with her absolutely. over the clothes for how long? I mean, were you actually coming, both of you, like over clothes, doing like with just so mostly I made her come. She doesn't identify as my sexual. I think she was just enjoying sensations that felt good. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't get very much on the receiving end, but I yeah. didn't mind that. It was just fun to experience all what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so eventually there was like I would, you know, actually touch her pussy like without clothes. But it, for a while it was over clothes. And even after we did do underclothes, there was still times where I would just rub her like pussy to climax like through her pants. Right. But did you ever go down on her? A couple times, but not very much. And right. like we ended up buying like a cheap vibrator from Spencer's Gifts or whatever at one point. Oh, so hilarious. we used that a little bit. Yeah. Um <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. That was about it. Like mostly, mostly it was hands at that point with right. her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of that. Yeah. But um, let me ask you this. And, you know, cause high school word gets out and people talk. Were you very open about your sexuality when you were younger? Like, did Yeah. You- mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I ended up being in a monogamous relationship with my high school boyfriend from like mid grade 11 until the end of grade 12, like just after grade 12. Yeah. Um, But he and I were very experimental with our sex with each other. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I have very vivid memories of cooking class in high school and just chatting with people about like all the different ways I was having sex and people just like listening to me talking about my sex life. Oh my God. Like I remember being like, oh, look at this rug burn on my back from having sex on this pool table like 
Um, and yeah, I just, I remember always being that person who would talk about my sex life more than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were very open about it. So they also knew though that you were hooking up with girls. Cause I feel like that's a different thing. Sometimes people, you know, at least, mm-hmm. but maybe not in your, when you were, you know, coming up, like people are more open um, about being bisexual. I had a really, yeah, like I had a really, really positive experience with um, my like understanding my bisexuality. I didn't have actually any negative um, things come up for me personally with my bisexuality. One of my really good friends was bullied a little bit about being a lesbian uh, in high school and I just backed her up and then I feel like stuff kind of like chilled out and like when I was in high school there was one person who transitioned male to female from grade 10 to grade 12 and I've talked to peers and I've talked to like a couple of the teachers who taught at that time also and there was no bullying that came up for that person so I think I kind of got lucky with the my peers at that moment in time I can't guarantee that that school would still be like that or it would have been like that a year before even you know, mm-hmm. but I got, I feel like overall lucky in terms of how accepting people were in that way. Yeah, you're very lucky. So those um, are your first experiences like with girls. When did you realize that you were into BDSM? Yes. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. So my first experiences of under realizing that I was into BDSM was in a really unhealthy relationship, uh, probably about 11 years ago, maybe 12. And it was at the end of my relationship with him, it was very toxic. We were both, he was very emotionally abusive and, um, I, at the end of the relationship, we'd already broken up, but we were still living together for a couple months and, So we were just still having sex uh, and we started to like hit each other and choke each other during sex. And I think that both of us kind of viewed it as like, it's okay if it's during, during sex, it doesn't count as abuse if it's during sex. Oh my God, that's hilarious. (laughs) Which like in hindsight is still really not okay. Cause like there was no like actual consent or discussion about what people, like what we wanted and that we were both okay with this. And yeah, but um, the positive of it was that it did teach me what, I am interested in. And through that, I realized that I enjoyed those aspects of it. Mm -hmm. So moving forward with my, um, like sexual relationships after that, I always would like encourage partners to like, yeah, like, please choke me, please smack me. Um, and those were the first things that I got into was like being smacked across the face Mm -hmm. or being choked. Um, Mm -hmm. and not like choked to passing out or anything like that at that point, just, just like that pressure on my throat um, and that feeling of like someone else is in control of my life at this moment and just that loss of control feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got into verbal degradation at that point as well. I think that a part of me was like reclaiming that after the emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. So it was like, yes, please call me like a dirty fucking horse, whatever um, in this contextual, like in this, consensual context because that gave me onus over it again so it wasn't like it took away the negative yeah 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 I've heard that that I've heard psychologists talk about that and it oh it I you know Mm -hmm. before I heard a psychologist talk about talk about it as you know doing something like that and it being healing I always I think I would have thought the opposite 
but she yeah, was like, thought it would be triggering. Yeah, absolutely. But she was like, it's like the person who was maybe raped that gets into BDSM. Now they are doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that turns them on. Maybe they got triggered that way. But now they're doing it and they're in control of it. So you, here you are, a girl mm-hmm. who was talked down to and degraded by this person. And now you're controlling it and you're making it happen. And it's in your control. And that's how you sort mm-hmm. of take the power back. Right. Is that like what it's about? Yeah, yeah, that's a huge part of it for me. Lots of people, like, I feel like there's a lot of belief that anyone in BDSM has been abused because why else would they do that? And that's definitely not the case. Of course not. Um, But it's definitely part of my process of how I got to understanding it's what I wanted. Whether it's why or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it definitely helped me get to a place where I had experienced it and was like, oh, I want more of this. So. Yeah, and you liked it. And so you, w- when you say you like to be degraded, like what are the kind of things that you get turned on by besides, like what are the kind uh, of wording? Like you said, you, like you're a dirty slut, that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, very, like some people will be like, oh, you can call me anything except bitch or except like cunt because those ones are specifically like off limits. But for me, I'm like, there's no real off limits words. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like being called a bitch, but mostly just because I am probably one of the nicest people someone will ever meet in their life. All right. And it just feels weird to right, me. It doesn't ring true. <laughs> it feels like, no, it's just like in no way does it ring true. And it just feels off. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah, doesn't it. bring any positive to me. Uh-huh. Whereas if someone's like, oh, you're a fucking dirty slut, aren't you? Or something. It's like, okay, maybe a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's um, very real. And I'm able to like be actually feel degraded by that where if you're calling me a bitch I'm like no I'm not I know I'm not you know I'm not that's dumb (laughs) right that's not hot I get it I get it that's funny though yeah um yeah so those kinds of things like even and in the context of cuck queen uh fetish being told like oh this person's hotter than you oh this person gives better head than you um just anything that will like make me feel in that moment lesser. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because I mean, that's, but I think that that's true even of the cuckolds, the, the men. And I get a lot of people calling in guys saying that they're into that. And sometimes I'll name it cuckolding and some people are like, but there's no humiliating aspect to it. And I think that, you know, everyone's different for you. You do like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's called humiliation, but you do like to feel that less than you have that. And it's probably tied into the whole BDSM thing in the sense that you're very much a sub in that space as well. Correct. Yeah. And that, and I'm, I'm a switch. I can definitely, I enjoy topping as well, but I, like bottoming probably more often than mm-hmm. I like topping. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely can be a dominant in a lot of settings, but I come from the firm, kind caregiver angle. So generally, uh, so if I was going to kind of give like my dom angle, it leans towards like, are you going to be good for me? You're going to go sit down there now, please. Thank you. <laughs> right. So it's like this like firm, but like really kind, like, I'm like, I'm going to make you want to listen um, rather than um, like being very forceful. Yeah. Well, that's because remember you said you're not a bitch Um, at all. (laughs) It's not you. No, no. Even in that context, like like, I can't be like mean about it. Yeah. 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 Um, And like when I'm, you know, and they're stirring pain play and I'm hurting someone, it's constantly with the intent of like, I know this is the thing that they want. Otherwise I couldn't do it at all. So since it's, since it's Mary Sparkleton's titillating stories, what are some situations that have, that have gone down in the BDSM world? Like maybe you could tell one story of like when you were a sub that was really hot and maybe one that's where you were dom. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, one experience I had that was fun was a four person scene at an event. Um, so myself and a woman that I was dating at the time were topped by a guy I was seeing at the time and a guy that she was seeing at the time. Mm -hmm. And they alternated between the two of us. So her and I were both tied to, um, like an A frame, wooden structure 
Okay. Standing up. Uh, like so standing our arms up? And, or laying down? Standing up, yeah. Okay. So we were both standing up with our arms above us and our legs spread and tied like ankles to the A-frame and wrists to the, no, not wrists to the A-frame. We were actually, our arms were tied to each other. So right. It was a few years ago, so I'm trying to remember all the all the details. So our arms were tied to each other's arms through this A-frame. Mm-hmm. And we were looking into each other's faces. And our ankles were tied with our legs spread uh, to this A-frame. Right. And the two men took turns with each of us. So I think there was like almost a cucking aspect of that also because I was watching, you know, the woman I was dating with a man I wasn't. And then also the man I was dating with the this woman that I was like dating. So there was some aspect of like seeing them interacting that I wasn't like I was kind of part of, but I wasn't. Um, and so that involved, they, they both used a couple, like they used whips to hit us, like um, floggers with like the multiple ends. Um, they did a lot of spanking and smacking our, our backs and asses. And so it was a very long lead up of like pain play for probably over an hour, including, yeah, like spanking, smacking, grabbing hard, biting, biting our backs, biting our asses, necks, and alternating between the two of us. So we would have either one of them um, playing with us at any time. And uh, electricity play, I really enjoyed electricity play. So there was um, a time where we were uh, had a body contact cable attached to one of us, which um, may- basically means that our both of our bodies, because it was on one of us, but we were touching, mm-hmm. both of our entire bodies were electrified. So anywhere we were touched would feel like tingly electric shock, but very, like quite mild, up to fairly strong, like painful. Right. Um, so they were, yeah, playing with us with this like electricity pain uh, between our legs. Uh, on our chests, um, like reaching around to the front of our us, as well as, um, yeah, just using different like metal implements because that would create a different type of shock. And like all of that uh, turns me on. Like even the pain, I've actually orgasmed from pain on a couple occasions. So just the pain brings me to quite an edge. Right. Um, and then after, yeah, easily an hour of this pain play, they, uh, like started to like just finger both of us. Um, and yeah, so we like, we're like looking at each other as we both like orgasmed, uh, after probably almost two hours of back and forth pain and alternating between some pain and like a little bit of teasing on our pussies. Um, and then back to pain and then finally getting to climax. Uh, so yeah, that was probably like one of the early on and when I'd actually fully entered the BDSM scene, which is probably about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of my early on first couple events that I had gone to. That was a, a scene I had at one of the early events and it was now, Definitely were there memorable. other people there? <laughs> Let me because you're saying it's like was like an event. Were there other people there besides, yeah. and they're watching this go down too? Yes. Yeah, so there's probably oh. about a hundred people at that event. Um, there would be multiple pieces of like BDSM furniture filling the room, so we wouldn't be the only one playing. Mm-hmm. So there would be maybe I don't know ten places in the room where different people would be doing different scenes. Um, and they, and then there's some people walking around and watching mm-hmm. different scenes. So some friends would be watching us or strangers. And, but when you're in that moment, you're not even noticing anyone else because you're so present in the sensations. And you're in subspace. Yeah. I learned about subspace once. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have ADHD and I find that that's one of my biggest appeals to BDSM is that it forces me to be present in a moment in a way that vanilla sex often doesn't. It can, but it doesn't always. 
Oh, that's interesting. Whereas when my body is overwhelmed with physical sensation in multiple ways, it centers me and it forces me to be in the moment. So I'm not, you know, distracted about my grocery list in the middle of sex. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I totally believe in therapy. I've been in therapy at many different times in my life, and I'm always pitching it to people on the show. The hardest thing to me about therapy is finding the right therapist, but BetterHelp makes that super easy. All you got to do is fill out a questionnaire. BetterHelp's going to assess your needs, and then they're going to match you with a licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is so committed to giving you great therapy that they make it not only super easy, but also free to change therapists if you need to. Also, since it's all done online, professional therapists are available worldwide. So wherever you're listening to my show, you could find a therapist. You could set up your sessions as video chats, or if you don't want them to see you, you can do it via the phone. BetterHelp therapy is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available if you need it. Want someone to talk to? Join BetterHelp now. And today, just for listening to this podcast, you're going to get 10% off your first month. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash strictly. That's betterhelp.com slash strictly for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. It's the same reason why the cutter does it because then they're distracted by the thing that's they don't want to think of, right? It's that same sort of uh-huh. thing. It really brings you in your body and takes you out of your head. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's pretty hardcore for your, for like one of your first forays into the BDSM world, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was, I guess, fairly intense for one of my first events. I had been involved in a little bit more BDSM for, oh, I don't know, probably only a few months before that on a more deep level with this one partner that I, the woman who I was seeing, her and I did a lot of rope play. Um, Rope being one of the main um, things that interests me in kink as well. I like the bondage. It centers me also. Uh I've done performances uh, being tied up and suspended in the like Japanese broke bondage kind of shibari style uh actually a couple months ago i did every week one or two performances with a friend uh suspending me and having people yeah come pay to watch and it's been yeah rope was one of my first forays into kink so that was my starting place and within a couple months i was yeah tied to this a-frame with my partner (laughs) all right and did you know, like, I mean, is it being an, are you a little bit of an exhibitionist too? Is that a part of the turn on the fact that you are in front of other people? Was that the first time that, I mean, you did have say, you have said, oh, I had a group thing here, a group thing there. Like, obviously you were comfortable being, having sex mm-hmm. in front of others, but is there an aspect of people watching you a turn on as well? Um, Like a little bit, mm-hmm. but more just, I don't care right. than it really turning me on. Um, it just, I, I, yeah, I just don't care. I, I guess the getting caught can be a bit of a turn on when I was 18, I had sex in a stairwell at a bar and got, had, we got kicked out of the stairwell by staff because we were yeah having sex right in like this stairwell at a bar and I've had sex in parks on multiple occasions and I think that part of the appeal there is definitely like, ooh, we could get caught. Yeah. Um, the but, naughtiness of it, but not so much when people yeah, are watching. Yeah, but in terms of, yeah, an event and being seen, it's just that I'm okay with it, not as much that it turns me on. Right. Mm-hmm. It can be, I had um, one scene just shortly before the pandemic where my male partner and another male friend of mine uh, topped me with a couple different um, things, I think punching and smacking and, and electricity. And then the friend uh, left my partner and I, and we actually had sex in the middle of this event with over a hundred people at it as well. So 
in that moment, like he had told me we were going to do this and I was very nervous about it, but accepting of it, I had, it was something I wanted to do, but it comes from a place of fear and shame that I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So I never would have suggested it, but being told we're doing this was terrifying and amazing. So we, yeah, we had, like, I gave him a blowjob and rode him in this event of over, you know, 100 people. And I didn't even notice people watching because I was so present in what was really going on. I looked up a few times and saw people watching, but I was just trying to be present in our experience and whatever people saw, they saw. Um, I... So, yeah, that it's, but yeah, it's more about the, I think the atmosphere of an event adds to the arousal overall, not so much for me because other people are watching, but Mm -hmm. because the overall energy in that space is sexual and accepting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that is a turn on for me whether people are watching or not. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like you're very good at explaining these things. When I push you a little further into it, it's just like, oh, that is like an interesting thing that I would never have thought of. A lot of times I am talking to someone and I ask them, did you find people looking at you hot? You know, and they're like, yeah. But it's interesting that, like you said, mm-hmm. there there is something to the other people being there, but it's not necessarily that they're watching you. Now, what are what about the dom stories? Like, do you dom both men and women? Have you ever like been in a dungeon? Like, what's this? What's your experience there? Yeah, so at some events as well, I mostly have dominated women. In private, I've done some topping of men, but not a lot of it. Uh The men I've played with have been interested in bondage, so I've tied them, but not done much beyond that in terms of pain play. Yeah. Um, But some, like, tying a man up and then teasing his body and, you know, deciding whether or not I'll let him come or not, that kind of topping I have had fun with with men. Um, Like tease and denial that they're into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more of that. And a little bit of, like, you know, dragging my nails down. Um, uh, as I said on, at the end of last time, my I do nails for a living. Yeah, yeah. And that's where my, my name kind of came from. So my nails are generally always done, and they're strong. So I will use that as one of the ways that I will uh, cause pain, whether it's through, like, grabbing someone really hard and digging my nails into, you know, their thigh or, um, you know, running my nails down someone. So doing that while they're tied up is fun and seeing their body react to to those sensations. But what is um, it that you just met then, more girls that have been into being dominated by you and or it just came up in relationships yeah. with the women more? Yeah, it's just come up, I think, more with women um, and femmes being the bottoms more of the time so uh because i'm a switch i'm comfortable in that topping role so in a lot of the like uh situations with women i end up being the top so i end up enjoying that side of it there so i've had yeah one-on-one experiences tying and teasing and hurting um bottoms with a variety of toys i have one called kind of a monkey's fist um i don't know if you've heard the term pervertibles no and i don't even know what a monkey fist is so explain it all okay so so a pervertible is something that you buy in general vanilla world or you have from vanilla life and you use it in a perverted uh context so for example using a wooden spoon to spank someone with would be using a wooden spoon as a pervertible oh okay i get it yeah so that's that's a basically what a pervertible is, is anything that you're using in a BDSM context that isn't necessarily intended for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's a monkey fist? Yeah, though? You I've said I used a spoons, monkey fist. So a monkey fist. Yeah. A monkey fist is a it's a ball made out of rope and it usually has a handle also made out of rope so it can swing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the monkey fist will have a weight in the center of the ball so that it creates a lot of impact and 
um, as it swings, it can cause deeper bruising. Within BDSM, people will ask usually, do you like thuddy or stingy? Meaning whether you like more that smacking feeling of a spank or more of a deep, you feel it in your muscle feel mm-hmm. sensation mm-hmm. being thuddy. So the monkey fist causes that thuddy sensation where it hits right into the muscle. Yeah. So I have a toy that is a pervertible. It is actually a dog toy that I bought from a dollar store. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a monkey fist, but, you know, it was intended to, you know, throw to a dog or whatever. But I use it to hit uh, lovely people's bottoms with and create nice big bruises. So... I have that toy and I've used that when I've tied people. Uh, Usually my BDSM will involve ropes, but not always. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I will, yeah, use a variety of toys, including a whip that I made um, out of uh, charging cords, phone charging cords. You know how they always give out? I attached a bunch of them together so that I can use the cord part of it looped in half mm-hmm. to smack uh, an ass or, you know, legs or arms, whatever body part I'm using it on to uh, create whip marks. And that, because it's wire inside, is is very stingy and hurts rather a lot, but it's fun. Now, have you done this stuff with um, the women in your relationships or has this this kind of stuff gone down at events? Like, where is this all taking place with the girls? With women, it's been some in relationships, some where I would call the people like friends, mm-hmm. but we have also a physical, intimate relationship. Right. And so they know Sorry, what you're into. I had a second into. call coming in. I had to. It's end okay. It. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes. So when I've dated, they've always, I'm very, very out with people in my close community. So everyone who is close with me knows I do BDSM, knows I'm Mm non-monogamous. I, so they, I don't really date vanilla at all anymore. I don't really have any interest in dating people if they don't have some interest in kink. It doesn't have to be exactly the same or to the same extent, but I need that in my world. So uh how old are you again i'm 34 right and do you do are you like do you have a type or are you just i would assume you don't but i mean do you have a type when i it don't comes have to men a type. Or women? right yeah okay i do not have a type i have dated or slept with virtually any image you can conjure in your mind i've been with one person who is a piercer who has tattoos over his entire body and multiple piercings on his penis and is just uh, like a white man. I've dated black men. I've dated like very plus size men and women. I've dated very petite people. I've dated average size people who are from different parts all over the world. I just, (laughs) I like people as long as the people are good people. So if I can find a person interesting, I can be interested in in them. So it's not an appearance thing for me. Yeah, I didn't think so. Remember when I asked you about uh, what what you rate yourself? (laughs) So like, like if you're not rating yourself and you're anti that, I'm sure that crosses over into how you feel about other people. It does, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course, I couldn't give a simple answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I love your, un- I like your complicated things. I think people are going to learn a lot from you. I find, like I said, I think that you have really made me see things different by the way you explain things. And I think that that's always refreshing because I, ca- you know, I ta- I've been talking to people for seven years. I talk to a lot of people that do are into the same things. But why I'll always talk to another person and is because I'm always, le- I'll always learn something new. You just happen to be someone that, you know, I've learned a, a couple new things from because you just have a different perspective of like the same thing. So, you, and I think that that's, if I'm experiencing that other people are, so your, your lengthy answers and how much you get into things I think is, is great. You know, we're trying to keep it titillating stories, but you still keep going. I, you know, but all these other things come up and I'm always curious by nature and I'm always like, Oh, I'm the biggest cock block on my show because I'm always like, you know, someone's talking about like a really hot story and then I'll ask something that's totally uh, not hot, whatever. But, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm like I said, curious by nature, but I want to keep it because I think I'm going to title this Mary 
sparkle tits, titillating stories. Let's do a couple more. Like I'm, you know, we've done some S and M. You've been a dominatrix with some your girls. You've been the switch with guys. You've been at events tied up. I know the whole Shibari thing. I had a Shibari expert on my show. That was like the first time I even heard of that. Um, I do have pictures. Maybe um, could you do a picture like of like any like a Shibari picture of you tied up? Maybe send me one of those too to add in with your pictures. Yeah. Right. That would yes, be cool. I definitely can send you a, a rope photo. Yeah. I've already, I mean, no one's going to be disappointed when they see your pictures. I've already seen them. Uh, they'll be up on my Patreon. But give me some memorable other stories to go off on. Give me like top three hot it, or it could be a crazy scenario. You know, memorable, a couple more memorable stories and they could be memorable for whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. You probably have so many because this is just like, you know, your world, right? I mean, it's not like you do something like this once a year. I mean, this is, you You really like, you're living this. It's who you are. Yes. Yes, absolutely. One of my most recent scenes was at another event with a friend of mine who is a man and we had discussed before the event that he was going to chop me at the event and he knew what my limits were. We had already had a really long discussion about negotiating what I was interested in and what was acceptable. At this event, it was a kind of a bar scene and we, so no sex is allowed at those events. And also I have no sexual relationship with this friend. So mm -hmm. it was just going to be, BDSM uh, exclusively. Right. So when I got there, it was some mingling and seeing all the people I know. And then I went over to him and he was dungeon master for one section of the event. And there was cages there. So he handed me a set of a few pairs of cuffs, some that are for ankles, some that are for wrists, etc. And told me to get inside a cage and lock myself in and cuff myself so that I would be as trapped as I possibly could be to see how I could, how yeah, bonded he could get me to be without him doing it. So okay. I did that. So I got into this cage and I locked myself into the cage with a padlock and then I cuffed my ankles together. I had taken my heels off before I got in the cage because I knew that was going to be too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I took uh, my heels off and tied or cuffed my ankles together. Then I put a chain around my uh, waist, which I was wearing a... Why am I blanking? A corset. I was wearing a waist cincher corset. So mm -hmm. I put this chain around my waist and chained my wrists together. It was a Halloween theme event and I was dressed as Minnie Mouse just for a little bit more visual. I was wearing this uh, polka dotted skirt that did not cover any of my ass and a thong <laughs> right. underneath it yeah. and a uh, polka dot little crop top bra thing and Minnie Mouse ears mm -hmm. <laughs> and a tail and uh, just, I feel like it's a fun little visual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, listen, I was thinking to myself, is she naked? Like, what is she even wearing? So I'm glad that you must have read my mind mm -hmm. because I was going to ask that question. I didn't want to interrupt. But I think that that's an important thing. So now you're like, but you still have this get up on, correct? But And you're in the yes. cage now and you've tied Minnie Mouse up. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have bound Minnie Mouse up in chains and cuffs. So my wrists are cuffed to each of my sides by that chain. And then a couple minutes went by and he came and checked on me and made sure that none of the cuffs were too tight so that they wouldn't cut off circulation or cause damage. And also that they were tight enough that I couldn't get myself out of. And and then he said, all right, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> and just left me to sit in this in this cage on a stage with, you know, a bunch of people milling around and watching and... I just had to sit there and, and occupy my mind <laughs> on this stage for, you know, 10 minutes or so before he came back and 
of course he was keeping an eye on me because you have to make sure everyone's safe and nothing yeah. was going wrong, but he was still leaving me to my own devices, regardless of making sure everyone was safe. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he used, he put a, actually a dog shock collar. He attached to one of my thighs. So he put the shock collar around my thigh and used the remote control for the dog shock collar to shock me uh, through that and increased the strength to, I think it was a number five initially. And he was, how's that? I'm like, well, it hurts, but it's okay. And he said, so how many minutes late did you come see me after I told you you were supposed to come see me at this event? And it was like 45 minutes, almost an hour. Um, So he said, well, you're going to have to take shocks for each of those minutes that you were late. So he set it to five initially, and then he increased it to 10 and checked in how I was feeling about that. And I was like, it it hurts, but it's all right. And he kept uh, doing the 10 shock a few times so that it would increase the amount of time that had, that I had said I was late. So he did the 10 about three times. So it was, you know, 30 minutes worth of, of shocks I was getting as punishment for my lateness. And then he increased it to 15 and said, we'll do the last one all in one. Are you ready? And shocked me at the 15. And it was, it was, it was a lot, but it was, fun also because I like that mm-hmm. I like to be um, pushed a little bit so and then he took it off of my thigh and put it on my neck so that he could shock my neck and I think he lowered the the intensity a bit at that point because it, it's just more intense when it's that close to all those nerve endings that are in our necks and Then he uncuffed me partially. So he uncuffed my hands and took me out of the cage and dragged me across the stage. So I had to walk with my ankles still cuffed together in (laughs) across the stage to where there was, I can only describe it as a mat on the ground that had shackles on it so that you could attach someone to this mat on the ground. Yeah. So he brought me to this mat. It was very hard, though. It was not a soft mat. <laughs> it hurt my knees after a little while, so we adjusted. But So I was on all fours, but with my hands spread out above my head and shackled down, and then my ankles were still cuffed together. Um, so my ass was in the air and my face was down, as, as one does. <laughs> and... <laughs> Then in that position, he used a couple different toys to flog me and punched my ass um, a lot, punched my ass a lot until uh, he was checking in. But I start giggling when it starts hurting more generally. I don't react in a, in a sad or angry or emotional way other than that Mm -hmm. the more painful it gets the more I giggle Mm -hmm. that's how my body responds to that pain so he would check in and kept punching my ass until I said okay the punching is all right but my knees are are feeling like this is a lot so he readjusted me so that my legs were straight so I was just laying on my stomach on this mat still with my hands still bound, but now I was flat so that he could keep punching my ass until he decided I was done. And he was alternating between punching my ass, shocking me with the shock collar, and he also had put clamps uh, kind of like kind of like clothing pins yeah pinching my the backs of my arms you know that sensitive spot on the back of your arm mm-hmm. so he had two clamps on the backs of my arms and a couple on my breasts and just yeah creating sensation kind of all over my body so that I would be feeling sensation everywhere until yeah he wound me down by smacking a little bit softer and then like some back strokes uh, just like gently kind of rubbing my back and then un- un- undid my 
shackles and we had a little cuddle off stage to wind me down with my blanket because I get cold immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was that was one of my most recent scenes at, at an event. That was my first event post-pandemic, actually. And now what about, let's end with one last cuck queen. What's your latest, what was your latest cuck queen scenario that went down? Okay. So the most recent cuck queen scenario I have, I'm going to say I have going on. So I haven't, so the man that I'm seeing right now has a wife and another girlfriend as well. Yeah, I remember that. And we have talked, yes, so we've talked about him having sex with one of them and then coming to see me right after so that he's, you know, still got them on him. But we haven't had much opportunity for that to come up yet. So it's been more behind the scenes teasing. He has sent me a video of him receiving a blowjob, which was so fun to watch. And it's been mostly those kinds of play lately where it's just teasing what he's doing when I'm not there. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to the future having more of the in-person stuff or being denied more, more, more blatantly and more of the degradation. But I think it, it, it definitely takes time to get there, especially as you're building, this is a fairly new relationship and there has to be some trust built on both sides. Cause I know he doesn't want to actually hurt my feelings. So there's some caution around that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also he has a wife. I need to know that this person genuinely cares about me or else I'm going to actually feel crummy and I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And listen, and people yes, haven't, no, but, uh, and also like, I don't know if some people are going to find this video without having listening to your first one. Uh, they need to go back and listen to the first one because you really do explain why you can get turned on in these situations, even if it's super competitive or he's degrading you by telling you he's really into somebody else. Because what you explained in that first episode is that you would never be able to do that unless you were with someone that you knew they really were into you. I mean, at the core, it's not like an unstable relationship where you really are being humiliated. Uh, on 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 the deepest level, you know that you have what you have with this person has a strong foundation, and that's what's most important to you, and why you then could go there and Absolutely. have all this fantasy and all this stuff and really get turned on. And I think that that was such an interesting yeah, explanation of what you said, you know, and that's what people will hear when they listen to the first one too. I think that that's one of the. I think that's one of the biggest differences between BDSM and abuse. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something I've struggled with. Where's that line exactly? Yeah. Especially when I first entered the scene. Mm-hmm. What's BDSM? What's abuse? What's self-harm? Where's that line? Yeah. And to me, I think that that line is, do you know that this person really does care about you? And not in a, I know they love me. Yeah. But like really know that that person cares about you. Yeah. They're checking on you during and after, or especially after if they've decided that during this, if we've decided during the scene, we're going to completely immerse ourselves. I'm not checking in. Yeah. But afterwards, you're going to feel so loved up by me that there's going to be no doubt in your mind that I am here because I want to be, and I care about you. And I think that's one of the biggest, biggest differences. And And I think that's where people could go astray, right? Probably there's a lot of people out there who maybe have a curiosity or an interest to go there for whatever reason, and then they find themselves maybe doing it in the wrong way. And I think what's interesting about your story is like, hey, there's a world out there, and if you meet the right people and you do it the right way, it can be a very safe and comfortable in all right situation enriching situation Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. as opposed to some people that maybe it became dark or they did feel shitty afterwards and you know that's not to maybe give up on it (laughs) but you because you're really out there with who you are like I said before you really live in this world this is where it's not just where you have sex 
Um, and so I think, you know, you've met really positive people that are, are of the same mindset. So you're lucky that way. But I think some people have that curiosity, but they don't know where to find those people or they don't, right? And so they find themselves in precarious situations. Yes. And I think what's, like I said, interesting about what you're saying is and the point that you're making without even realizing it is that it, it should be done in the right way where you have that foundation. And if it is, then, you know, the sky's the limit and it doesn't have to be anything. Yeah. Negative. At the end of the day, you should feel at the end of the day, you should feel like this was pleasurable. This gave me joy. This made me feel connected to this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if at the end of the day you're feeling like, oh, like I felt violated or uh, like genuinely violated or I felt genuinely like uncared for, Mm -hmm. then you need to make a change whether, and sometimes that change has nothing to do with that person not being good to you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it does. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's that person's not good to you, but sometimes it's just, well, what made it would have made that feel better for me? Well, maybe we didn't, shouldn't have done this specific thing or I needed to stop it when I started to feel this type of pain. Right. But everything else was good or everything was good. But if only he cuddled me for five minutes afterwards, instead of just throwing a blanket on me and walking away or, and it takes some self-discovery to, to learn what those things are that you need to feel cared for during or after. As well as courage to be able to speak those things because some people Absolutely. I think might know Absolutely. them, but they don't have the voice uh, that you have. Absolutely. You're very secure. I would also, yeah, I would also add, like, without getting too dark, I've had situations where I wasn't comfortable saying no in a moment, mm-hmm. and I felt terrible afterwards. And I think the biggest lesson I learned from the one specific scenario I'm thinking of mm-hmm. is that not that I should have said no that day because I should have, but I couldn't. No part of my body felt safe saying no in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, but in hindsight, I knew I didn't feel safe with this person weeks before that event. Right. I shouldn't have even done it. Right. In the first place. And my, like what I learned from it is not, I'm not making myself feel guilty for not stopping it that day because that day I couldn't. And that's just the reality of that day. That's where you were at, right? You needed to learn that lesson that day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But in hindsight, I could see that he he would get angry when I would say no to something. Mm -hmm. He would get upset when I would correct something that he was doing. So by the time that specific day happened, when I was tied up and he asked me to do a thing that I didn't want to do, I didn't feel safe saying no because he was going to get upset and I was bound and I didn't want to feel his emotions when I was in that vulnerable place. So I chose to do the thing instead of saying no. And in hindsight, like I said, don't blame myself for not saying no in that moment. Yeah. But I knew I didn't feel safe saying no to him weeks before this. Yeah. which should have told me not to have another scene with him at all. Yeah, and maybe the same intuition that said he wasn't safe a while ago knew it was also safer to just go along at that moment than to say no, because maybe that would have escalated things to a place where you would have been exactly more in danger. Exactly. So that's why I don't blame myself in that moment. Of course, yeah. But I have definitely learned that I should have listened to that intuition far before that event, that's, scenario even happened so that's my advice is listen to your intuition folks yes yes these are not only is it mary sparkleton's titillating stories it's advice i think you gave a lot of really great advice as well on your first episode i think even when you're not giving advice you're giving advice that's what i find interesting about you i think you're very secure in who you are and very self-aware and so therefore you're able to really explain things well i think if people have just listened to this episode they should definitely go back and listen to your first episode i'll put a link to that episode in the description thank you so much for calling in i will have a picture a shibari picture you'll send me that i i now listen i know that you're like kind of out there but i will because my show is anonymous uh, i will change mm-hmm. i will not put your face on there but people if they want to see pictures of you they could go to my patreon do you want me to change your voice i'm going to change your voice too i changed it on the first one 
Uh, I mean, if you want to, you can. It doesn't matter on my end. All right. So. so if it sounds worse, like and harder to understand, I could leave your voice regular. But if it right. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'll, I'll make yeah. it, I'll go back and listen because I feel like sometimes when I change women's voices, I have to make them deeper and then they sound more muffled. So I'll see. So if I don't, since you're so out there, I'll be able to leave it the way. But um, but yeah, so people should go listen to that episode. And you, you know, you told she told me off air that she used to have a podcast and she stopped it because whatever you had co-host. But, you know, one day pick that back up and do your own show. I think you uh, your voice should be out there or make porn like I recommended in the in the first episode yeah you know somehow you know this whole life that you have can be monetized uh, you know I think you're uh unique and and special and I you know you should share what you know with other people I'm glad that you did it on my show uh thank you so much for calling thank in and you. sharing all your stories and uh you know I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point thank- Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing some things on the side. I'm teaching a class in probably February about orgasm control. So there's some things I do on the side still in this area where I'm I'm teaching or talking about these things openly. Do you do those virtual or do you just do them in person? This one coming up is in person. I haven't done any virtual, but I'm thinking I probably will in the future. Yeah, well, when you do Um, that, I ask because when you do that, come on my show We'll do an episode and you can promote the shit out of it. I'm sure my listeners would love to take your classes once you get those up and running. I mean, like I'm not talking to people just specifically in your area. So but when they are mm-hmm. virtual and it could be anyone could take them, you you know, come on, we'll do an episode and you could promote it. Fantastic. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. Put that together, Mary. Yes, I will. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for calling back in again so quickly sharing your stories yeah thank you okay bye okay take care bye Bye. everyone thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode if you want to follow the show follow me at strict anonymous on instagram or twitter that's at strict anonymous if you are on youtube make sure to subscribe i love youtube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.